The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. James Freeman on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. Um, I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Monday the 11th of December 2023. How was your weekend? Did you spend it on a beach if you're lucky enough to live down under or like me, were you preparing for the winter festivities here in the UK? Um, I mostly did what I said I would do on Friday, which, which was a big fat nothing, because after a series of busy weekends, I enjoyed a couple of restful days. Um, I put up some um, Christmas decorations and stocked up on wood and other important items for the weeks ahead. So, yeah, a thoroughly enjoyable weekend from me. Um, I also had some important conversations over the weekend. Um, I joined a Spaces event yesterday on X with Kim.com and Dr. Shiva, who discussed the New Zealand data leak. Now, Dr. Shiva has a copy of the data, and he says it doesn't prove what others, particularly Steve Kirsch, um, are claiming. Now, the first thing to make clear, as far as I'm concerned, is that most of the people in this conversation about the data leak all agree that the vaccines have harmed each other um, across the world, have harmed people across the world. So it's not necessarily a question about whether um, that is the case or not, whether the vaccines are harming people. It's whether this data leak is the smoking gun or not. Um, after the Spaces event, I spoke on a second event with Steve Kirsch, who is still claiming his conclusions are correct. So where exactly are we in terms of the conclusions that we can draw from the New Zealand data leak? Well, there are good statisticians who are now saying that the data is incomplete and that there is no control group. And so it is impossible to attribute deaths to the injections. Um, Dr. Shiva, along with Professor Norman Fenton here in the UK and Nick Hudson of Panda in South Africa are saying that the data does not show what Steve Kirsch is claiming. And here's the thing. The problem with this situation at the moment is that only a handful, a very small handful of credible statisticians have actually looked at the data because of the issues with the size of the data, the kind of software you need and obviously the skills you need to analyse it. And I don't get the impression that they've spent enough time on it yet, and we haven't had enough people looking at it to make thorough conclusions yet. So where are we then? Well, in my opinion, this data leak has been a positive thing, regardless of whether it shows exactly what Steve Kirsch is claiming it does, because it has given energy to the global community who know the injections are harming people and has reignited the big question for governments which is why are they not releasing anonymized record level data? If the jabs are safe and effective, then why don't they just release the data? We, of course, know exactly why, um, but that is the question that must now be pushed. Andrew Bridgen now has the support of 17 other MPs in the UK Parliament who are all pushing for a full half-day debate on excess deaths. So we are 
making progress slowly. However, what I also see happening with this situation is that it is in danger about becoming all about personalities. After Dr. Shiva and Kim.com did their Spaces event saying that the data is a big nothing burger, Steve Kirsch did his own Spaces event. It was all a bit heated and it got a bit weird at one stage. Steve actually called up Dr. Shiva live on the, um, well, he was on the Spaces event. He called him on his mobile and said, right, you need to join us. Um, um, Dr. Shiva was like, well, hang on, I'm with my dad now. I've just done a Spaces event, so I can't just come on now. Um, to which Steve Kirsch was like, well, if he won't come and debate me, then that that says a lot. Um, I'm not sure it does. And it all, like I said, it all became about personalities in the end. Anyway, Dr. Shiva has agreed to appear on the Freeman Report, as has the whistleblower Liz Gunn. Um, uh, sorry, the whistleblower and Liz Gunn once again. But I think I need to figure out the best way to take this forward, because what I do not want to facilitate is a meaningless personality-driven argument. So I think what I'm going to do before getting Liz or the whistleblower um, back on the show, because they're not professional statisticians, um, I'm going to try and get hold of Steve, Steve Kirsch to see if he will debate live on the Freeman Report with Dr. Shiva about the data not this personality-driven argument. So let's see if I can make that happen. In terms of the show this week, I've got a great lineup for you. Tomorrow, I'll be joined by Sonia Elijah and Hedley Rees, who'll be speaking together. They'll be on the show together for the whole show, um, discussing the latest evidence of harms by the injections and also the latest revelations in manufacturing of the jabs, which shows that there's loads of problems there, which the public are not being told about. Um, two great people who are both experts in their fields. Then on Wednesday, I'll be joined by June Slater, and I'm hoping to have a special report ready for the show. As I was contacted over the weekend by a family um, who actually just live around the corner from me, who are being told that their grown, grown son, who is also a father to his children, will have life-saving nutrition treatment removed, which essentially means he will be left to die by starvation and dehydration. The man in question was involved in an accident which put him in a coma, um, and he has been left with serious injuries. He's now out of the coma and in a wheelchair, and going by the videos I've seen of him, he's fully awake and fully responsive to the family. Um, he was actually playing ball um, with one of his children. He's unable to talk, but it is clear that he's smiling and responsive. However, what the family are saying is that the NHS want to remove the specialist nutrition that he receives via feeding tube, because while he's able to feed himself and swallow, he's not able to consume enough nutrients to sustain himself. Anyway, the family, like I said, live just around the corner from me, so we're going to try and record an interview that I will play on Wednesday's show, as the family are desperate to raise awareness of their case to help save his life. Absolutely shocking when you see the video that actually our NHS is thinking about withdrawing treatment and allowing this person to die, because as far as I can see, he's responsive, fully awake, fully conscious. 
On Thursday's show, I'll be welcoming back Shab Shabnam Mohammed, who is a steering committee member for the World Council for Health, to get the latest from that organisation. And then on Friday, I'll be joined by journalist Jason Levine, who has been on the show before, and also Donald Best, who will both be appearing together to give the latest coming out of Canada. Um, they're both journalists in the country and there are lots of things happening with legal cases in the country and the Trudeau regime. In a moment, I'll be joined by Piers Robinson, who is the co-director of the Organisation for Propaganda Studies. He's also the editor of Propaganda in Focus and is a former professor in politics, society and professional journalism at the University of Sheffield. Piers will be explaining his latest substack, Understanding COVID-19 as a Structural Deep Event. But that's not it. After Piers, I'll be joined by Darren Nesbitt from The Light newspaper to tell us all about a festival that he's organising for next year, um, along with Sophia Rose from A Stand in the Park. So another packed week ahead right here on The Freeman Report on TNT Radio. If you want to get in touch, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. Um, lots of you are in the chat today. I can see Singsby, um, Blodders, um, who else have we got? Brett Atkinson, Mr. Moose. <laughs> I love these names. Um, and um, Hidden in Plain Sight and the rest of the gang. So if you want to join in the conversation, get yourself over to tntradio.live. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Russia, gas prices, COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You know, I'm going to say it. Good morning, Jemzy. I, you know, I wish I'd never told you. I like you very much. <laughs> I regard you as a friend, but I wish I'd never told you. <laughs> Do you want to explain to the listeners, just in case anyone's not aware? I'll tell them. I'll tell them. So Jemsy is the name that my mum and my gran called me. Sometimes my brother, if he was feeling particularly charitable, although we're not speaking at the moment. So if you're if you're in my inner sanctum, you get to call me Jemsy. And James, you are my closest friend on TNT. You've been my friend here from the start. I'm very grateful to you, but I kind of wish. I think it takes away my credibility. <laughs> I'm supposed to be a serious news journalist. Jemsy, Jemsy. <laughs> No, I mean, look, I think it shows um, how actually we're all one big team here at TNT Radio and we're actually good friends as well. Um, you know, we're not just, you know, I, I didn't decide to be an MEP. I didn't decide to be a journalist. I'm doing this for a reason. Um, like yourself, you're at TNT for a reason. We're not just any other journalist. We're here because we can see what's going on in the world. Um, and, you know, we're all in that together in terms of getting the truth out. So, Jemsy. <laughs> You're not getting away with that. Anyway, what story have you got for us, um, Gemma, today? Well, there. breaking news I'll put news my professional today. hat on now. <laughs> you put your professional hat on now. That's good. Um, well, breaking news. Uh, Rishi Sunak's just taken the stand at the UK COVID inquiry. He was sworn in at 10.35 UK time this morning. So just about 40 minutes ago now, 45 minutes ago, he was sworn in. And already some little nuggets have come out that I'm not surprised that I'm hearing from him, but it is so much the kind of a uh, politician lockstep playbook that all the evidence that they're giving in this so-called inquiry. Um, the first thing he did was apologize, just like Boris Johnson, who was PM at the time, obviously Rishi's prime minister now. So he apologized to all of lost loved ones, just like Boris did. And then he apologized to all who suffered 
throughout the pandemic. So forgive me for sounding like a scratch record, but I was, like I said last week when Boris was apologizing, does this apology extend to the likes of us who lost careers, reputations, family members, friends, income streams, uh, and all manner of things over the last three and a half years? Are you apologizing to us too? And people who have come over to TNT as a result of your disastrous actions, do we get an apology? Probably not, but I'd like to, I'm going to extend a bit of courtesy and think he is kind of apologizing to us too, because we did suffer. We did suffer, but it's turned out to be in our game. We're here at TNT. Uh, the thing is that's come out of this, though, just like Boris as well, he can't find his WhatsApp messages. None of them. They've all gone. So here we've got, you know, world leaders on the political stage saying, no, sorry, I've changed my phone too many times. That's what he actually said in the inquiry this morning. I've changed my phone too many times. I don't know where my WhatsApps have gone. Bear in mind, everybody knows that when you change your phone or your SIM, your phone uploads all the data because that's how sophisticated technology is and you get everything. So again, just like Boris, surprise, surprise, can't find my WhatsApp messages from that particular period in time, which leads to the question, what's on those WhatsApp messages? Um, he's expected to be grilled on whether scientists were given too much power. Well, we all know that those kind of ostensibly that were in charge at the time of this inquiry weren't really the ones pulling the strings. It was a much more shadowy agenda behind the scenes, WEF, WHO. Um, and they're going to grill him on eat out to help out because that will generate a lot of headlines because that's something that everybody can understand. But yeah, so within the last sort of 20 minutes, we've already had those things coming out of this so-called inquiry. But, you know, I mean, he might as well have said the dog ate my homework or, you know, I lost it down the back of the sofa because this is so ridiculous that less than a week on from a former prime minister saying, oh, sorry, I can't find my WhatsApp. We now have the current prime minister saying, really sorry, I can't find my WhatsApp. I mean, it's already started off on a bit of a laughable theme, I think. I really don't get this about these WhatsApp messages because um, surely they're backed up. They they've got to be backed up somewhere, even if it's WhatsApp um, itself. They, they you know they don't just delete off these records. In fact, there's there's laws about this in the UK. Um, communication companies having to keep records um, of all of these messages. But you know these were government communications, and not just you know backbenchers. Um, this is he was the chancellor and Boris Johnson was the prime minister. Um, now, it's really irregular for them to be communicating via channels um, about official stuff that isn't there to scrutinize if we need it to be. Um, I'm sure there's things, laws or, or rules being broken to do with parliament. So I just don't get it how they're able to stand up in that inquiry and just say, I don't know, lost them. I mean, it was pretty pathetic watching Boris Johnson um, trying to explain, you know, how he had lost them. It was a bit of a joke. So, yeah, pretty shocking stuff, really, on that. Um, and as, you know, the COVID inquiry in general, you know, I want to know um, about the excess deaths we saw all across 2022 um, and earlier this year, um, you know, after the jabs were rolled out. I want to know about midazolam, what happened with that. Um and all the damage that the lockdowns did, you know, the social, economic and health effects on the nation, the impact on our children's education. What about all of that? Um, and also, let's not forget the censorship. You know, we've learned over the past couple or we've had it confirmed. We knew um, that the 77th Brigade were, um, which is a brigade of the British Army, were monitoring British citizens. We knew that many of us. I've got a government report which proves it. That they were monitoring me. Um, but what about that? Because they were cancelling and suppressing voices which were coming out, pointing out all the things, all the mistakes that they're now apologising for. People like me and others 
were pointing out that they were making these mistakes at the time, and yet we were being censored. So what about those questions? Um, to me, it is just a soap opera, um, a big white elephant designed to distract the country and also to frame the argument about whether we should have locked down earlier. And I think as uh, Jamie Jenkins came on the show last week and as he said, if they were looking at international data, then they could quite easily answer that question. But they're not. It's all about he said, she said. So it's a big joke as far as um, I'm concerned, Gemma. Well, I'm just hoping that the big joke uh, kind of jolts people into recognition that this whole thing was staged because, for and you know, you're quite right. He was the chancellor. He's now the PM. Boris Johnson was the PM. They cannot find significant amounts of data and thousands of messages that they were exchanging during this time, which clearly were, were, were contain very sensitive information. It's just all suddenly magically disappeared. Now, if you believe that, even if you're the most normal person in normal land, getting ready for Christmas and doing everything right and all of that stuff in normal land. If you watch this inquiry or listen to this inquiry or read about this inquiry today and think, oh, another prime minister can't find his WhatsApps. I mean, if I was the boss of WhatsApp, I'd be saying, look, you're painting my company in a very bad light here. The whole point of it is it's completely secure and you're supposed to be able to keep them. So yeah, he's, he's played a very a significant own goal with this so soon after Johnson saying exactly the same thing. I hope and pray People are laughing and waking up at exactly the same time with this one. I mean, the thing with those WhatsApp messages, putting aside the ridiculous, um, you know, um, watching them come up with these ridiculous explanations for why they cannot find um, the data. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing that they can't because what's it going to show us? It's, we're, we're just going to end up with more stories about he said this to him, um, she said that to him. Um, and, you know, it all becomes about the politicians when, you know, what we should really be looking at is the questions that I've just asked about the wide impacts on society, looking at the international data to say, you know, for countries that didn't lock down, what was the impact on their society? And obviously Sweden is a great example of that. So, yeah, I think, you know, they could end up just being a distraction. Um, you know, it's a very, very expensive inquiry. It's due to go on to, is it 2026? I mean, the whole thing is just a joke. I'm surprised the British public are not more angry about this because this is our money being spent on this. Just it's one big cover up, essentially. Right, well, Gemma, I, thank I you do, very much. Well, um, go on, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I, uh, maybe it's not what uh, those WhatsApp messages aren't just he said, she said. Maybe there's a few little nuggets in there, you know, that end lots of love, Klaus, or thank you for everything you're doing, Bill. <laughs> you know, that's what I think on those WhatsApp messages. <laughs> no, 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 no. And even if they were, they wouldn't they wouldn't get through those messages. No, I mean, look, it's all stage managed. Even the, the WhatsApp messages we had from um, Hancock, they were actually edited before they were released. So, um, you know, and I've got nothing to, I've got no reason to believe they were totally changed. They might have been, who knows? But, um, you know, I think the whole thing is just um, a, a big um, white elephant, essentially, the messages and all of it. What we should be focusing on is what journalists like me are asking, those big questions, the important questions to people across the country, particularly on the jabs. Why is the government not releasing the data? And are is a proportion of the excess deaths we've seen over the past couple of years as a result of the jabs? These are the big questions which the inquiry clearly is not going to um, ask. 
Right, Gemma, thank you very much for that breaking story there. Um, and to the rest of you, don't go anywhere because after this short break, I'll be joined by Piers Robinson. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman, on TNT Radio. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy now on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Right, well, I'm delighted to welcome Piers Robinson. Hello, Piers. How are you doing? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. I think you're joining us from a very, very cold Berlin at the moment. Um, describe what the weather's like there. Well, it was nice and snowy uh, a few days ago, but it's all just turned all sort of cold and wet instead now. So not very nice, but it's winter. Uh, so I don't feel so bad now. Normally I'm hearing from people um, in the studio who are based in Australia and they're talking, oh yeah, it's a bit cold. It's like 22 degrees, but um, I feel better now. <laughs> Oh, right, oh, Piers, I wonder if you degrees. wouldn't <laughs> Oh God, yeah, no, I uh, look forward to those days again. Um, Piers, I wouldn't I wonder if you wouldn't mind just quickly just introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about your background and why you're qualified to talk about the things we're going to talk about today. 
Sure. Um, I mean, my name is Dr. Piers Robinson. Uh, my background is in academia. I research uh, propaganda, communications, conflict. Uh, I'm co-director of the Organization for Propaganda Studies, editor of Propaganda and Focus, online magazine. And in recent years, I've been working with the Panda organization based in South Africa, um, dealing with the COVID issue. And my input there is on propaganda-related issues, obviously, and also now working with the International Center for 9-11 Justice, which is, again, my input is on propaganda politics issues surrounding uh, the 9-11 event. And so that's my background, but essentially, yep, I research and write and publish and, and talk about propaganda and propaganda-related issues and have been for many years now. Fantastic. Well, you've come to the right place because we're all about debunking um, government um, propaganda that we see all around us. Um, Nick Hudson has obviously been on on the show um, a couple of times before from Panda, um, and we've talked about the COVID um, situation. What do you? Where do you think we are right now with that, Piers? Obviously, we've had the the data leak from New Zealand. I know you haven't looked at the data yourself. We've now got um, 17 MPs in the British Parliament that, that are joining Andrew Bridgen in calling for a debate, a, half, a full half-day debate in Parliament. Where do you think we are right at this point in terms of actually getting to the truth about what happened? Well, in, in terms of the um, experimental injections which we use, there's clearly um, a number of scientists, incredible scientists who are doing research and making claims about uh, the safety of the vaccines, and that's clearly a very big issue. I, I was at the International Crisis Summit event in the Romanian Parliament several weeks back, and this was a big topic of conversation. Um, as you say, there have been these leaks in New Zealand, but there have also been other researchers and analysts, and also Panda have put out material in relation to this, uh, which raises big questions about, yep, safety and so on of the injection um there are also very big questions now about the nature of what happened um in 2020 um questions over whether there was truly a, a novel particularly dangerous um virus spreading and other arguments out there as well i think from a political point of view and this is the argument i've been making you know for some time now that, that there's enough evidence for us to interpret COVID 19 not as a, a cock-up, as the saying goes, as, as a mistake by politicians and scientists, but the more plausible explanation is that, how would I describe or use Peter Dale Scott's terminology as a structural deep event, that this is something which has been highly politicized from the start. Um, it's not primarily a health emergency, it's primarily a political, political economic event um where we have actors in the background pushing agendas uh, both promoting overselling propagandizing covid-19 itself but also whilst doing that pushing forward on you know, major political and economic projects and that's i think where we are the question was you know where are we now that's where we are on this event um it's highly propagandized and it's being used as for the safety, as you know, I'm not a, a scientist who looks at those areas, obviously, but I'm fully aware that there are some very credible people raising big questions. Um, and even before all of this, there was the obvious kind of analyses coming out about the collateral damage caused by the response to COVID-19, whether it was the shifts in, in wealth distribution, you know, uh, people missing uh, checkups with health services, the psychological impact, global collateral 
for global collateral is, is a good organization for your viewers and listeners to check out because they have been documenting just how damaging the actual policies themselves have been on societies around the world um so yeah. where we are now 2023 yep <laughs> this is not a straightforward health issue which uh was badly responded to by governments there's something else going on clearly yeah it is shocking isn't it and of course they tried it back in 2009 um but it didn't really take off that pandemic then but they tried exactly the same thing back then and like you said there are um when you start looking at the facts all around this there were a lot of people who made an awful lot of money there's a huge transfer of wealth over the past few years all connected to what is going on um and like you said i think a lot of the people that actually lost their lives in the early parts of the pandemic there's a lot of questions over whether they actually died from COVID or whether they died from the measures put in place by our governments. And then, of course, all the damage done to society, to the economy, um, to the to the nation's health as a result of lockdown. So we're going to take a quick break now, Piers. But when we come back, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. And I'd like to talk about your substack and how that kind of puts all this together and puts some context around it. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. <laughs> Really big, 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 big. The biggest breaking news story. Big, gigantic, big, enormous. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Another pandemic leader has fallen in Australia. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk throwing in the towel on Sunday. Our best days are well and truly ahead of us. After being kicked off Twitter nearly five years ago, Alex Jones has had his account reinstated. Washington's triggered outrage after being the only member of the UN Security Council to vote down calls for a ceasefire in Gaza again. And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's heading back to the White House. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. When appears, you recently wrote um, a fascinating um, substack um, titled um, Understanding COVID-19 as a Structural Deep Event. Tell us, put some meat and bones about what you were saying before the break and explain exactly what you mean by that. Yes, yeah, so the, the term Structural Deep Event was coined by Professor Peter Dale Scott and he, he sort of he, he, the idea evolved based upon his work in and examining events such as the JFK assassination, 9/11, and other similar events where you have a very prominent high-profile event occurring, and then what you have is a variety of actors exploiting that event in order to push forward their own political agendas. And so the, the idea here is that, say, if you take the global war on terror and you take the controversial 9-11 event as, as the sort of instigating, the, the initiating event for the global war on terror, it's a structural deep event in the sense that, you know, people were persuaded that to launch into a global war against terror was the right response and so on. And that's what most people thought 
foreign policy was about in the immediate aftermath, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, 2003, and so on. Um, and But what was really being done was that, you know, there was primarily regime change wars were wanting to be initiated prior to 9-11, and 9-11 itself was used in order to enable those regime change wars to happen. So whilst everyone's thinking, oh, well, this is all about fighting Islamic fundamentalist terrorism, it was really about projecting power and initiating wars. So you have this event, 9-11, and it, it, it's deep. When uh, Scott talks about deep, he means that it's, you, know, you have an interaction between the intelligence services, the deep state, the public-facing aspects of a government, and also criminal elements to that as well, who are pushing forward these agendas. And you know, principally, people are being deceived through this process. And then they're structural in the sense that they create major long-standing changes or they're meant to create lot major long-standing changes in society and this is the mode of analysis that i think is appropriate to COVID 19 because we have an event of questionable origins and, and so on but was certainly propagandized and overblown and whilst this was happening um, you had very, very quickly the emergence of these political agendas. People will be familiar with the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, etc. Um, of course, Klaus Schwab writing the book, The Great Reset, with a couple of months of COVID-19 kicking off. All of the political issues and agendas associated with that, from digitized society through to central bank digital currency, digital ID, and so on. You can see that sort of really being pushed under under the cover effectively of everyone being panicked over the COVID-19 crisis and that's the that's the long-term sort of structural changes which we can see fairly clearly now I think they've become clearer and clearer over the last couple of years that have been pushed and have been enabled primarily by COVID-19 being talked up in the way that it has been <clears throat> since 2020. There's also you know, the economic restructuring issues, central bank digital currencies are important parts of that as well. And you know, taking us to where we are now, because none of this has really gone away, because what we are left with, and obviously the COVID-19 type agenda, the fear of a virus is, is still there and still potentially going to be pushed. But what that structural deep event has now morphed into in very broad terms, we, we had the pandemic preparedness agenda being pushed forward, the changes to international health regulations, which will essentially sort of codify and strengthen the ability of governments and global governance entities to impose, for example, lockdowns on countries. And, and that's rolling ahead and is a big, is, is it almost sort of making permanent potentially sort of the things that we saw during COVID-19. And the flip side to that is, is the censorship industrial complex that we're seeing manifesting itself now through uh, online harm legislation and Digital Services Act in Europe. So you've got sort of the two components of what some people describe as, as a biosecurity regime and potentially a global biosecurity regime. Um, whereby our autonomy and the control of our lives is 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 lost to a very significant degree, both to governments and then higher up to global governance entities, and then getting censored when people are trying to oppose it. <laughs> um, and these are very big changes um, and very big changes to our society, all enabled by the COVID-19 event. Yeah, now... Um... As you were talking about all that, I was thinking of asking you about the the causation versus correlation thing, which is, um, you know, sometimes events happen in history and then that presents opportunities and things happen. Um, so my question would be, you know, 
<clears throat> was this planned ahead of time um you know and actually there is causation there or is it just a correlation of but i think we know the answer to that or i think i i think you're on the same page well, as me that actually it's it's important to keep in mind that it can still be in a, a, a it can still be interpreted as a structural deep event, but but be an event which is exploited. So it just comes along. It just has to. Ha it just happens to happen. You know, 9-11 just mm. happened to happen, and then the neoconservatives could launch the regime change war. So they got lucky in a way. They wanted to do this, and and, and circumstances conspired to enable that. And there you're still having exploitation of the event for purposes which are other than as it were the official uh, representation so it's important to keep that in mind you, you know it's, it's still a problem a big problem if that's happening but what the structural deep event idea also allows you to consider is the possibility that these events are instigated so they're not it's not just that they're being exploited and used by political actors they've actually been instigated obviously with 9-11 as i've made clear in my involvement with ic 911 international center for 9-11 justice that's an instigated event with the involvement of governments including actors within the us in order to get that war going and with COVID-19, well, I think that's the big question for people who are researching the politics of COVID-19 is the question of how constructed is this um, event? Um, if we look at the timeline, and Nick Hudson's done some very good interviews on this, but the timeline, the speed with which the PCR de test was deployed, the questions surrounding foreknowledge in before, as it were, this pandemic had, had properly been identified or, or was being claimed, you had indications of foreknowledge in the run-up to it. And all of those things point towards a possibility that you have essentially a, a constructed pandemic. It's not to say that people aren't dying, there isn't a, a necessarily a real virus, but it does mean that, you know, as it were with the PCR test, this is being used to find or exaggerate something and then use that. So I think, you know, whereas say with 9-11, I'm confident we've got a an instigated structural deep event um, with COVID-19, there's probably a bit more work to be done, but as the years roll by and, and things become clearer and when we step, are able to step back a bit of distance, I, you know, we are moving, I think, evidence-wise into that territory that, um, yep, they, they wanted this kind of event to happen and, you know, all the pieces were in place and this is where you get into the structural deep event idea from Scott, you know, sort of, okay, deep state actors, you see this, of course, an element of this in Kennedy's discussion in the real Anthony Fauci talking about, you know, the way in which, for example, the CIA were involved in sort of pandemic scheming and planning and contingency planning going on over a very long period of time. And I, I think that's pretty much where we are at. Um, could have been, as it were, just a coincidence, as you suggest. Um, but I think we're moving in the direction that this seems to be instigated which means, you know, um, we've got an even even bigger problem than perhaps some of us thought we had. Yeah, I mean, you look, you know, there's only so many coincidences I think can happen at once. Obviously, we know about Event 201, um, which mm -hmm. was carried out by the likes of Bill Gates and others, what, a few months before the actual pandemic, and it was a run through of all the things they would do in a, in a pandemic in terms of how they would handle the public, what the media line would be and all the rest of it. So I think there's a lot of evidence there backing up what you're saying. And of course, you know, there's the meme um, that most people would have seen going around on social media that if emergencies give 
governments more power and make a lot of money for people don't be surprised if we see more emergencies i think that is the the, the take-home um, bit of information from here um piers um thank you so much for appearing on the show i'd love to have you back on um again at some point um and thank you for all the work you're doing um both you and um, nick hudson in terms of actually you know because there's a lot of us who know we i mean i i look if i had to bet my house on it I would bet my house on it. I'm that confident in terms of what's gone on. But we do need people like you to actually be getting us the concrete evidence um, so that we can convince um, other people around the world of actually of what's happened. So thank you very much, Piers Robinson, ladies and gentlemen. Right, okay. Now, don't go anywhere because after this short break, I've got Darren Nesbitt who'll be joining me from The Light newspaper. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week, Elon Musk, the owner of X, was asked about the boycott uh, of advertisers like Disney and Apple who have pulled off the site after he uh, retweeted an anti-Semitic tweet and for some other reasons. And uh, he didn't hold back in his response. Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's gonna try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, Go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I hope it is. And he says that if the boycott forces X to close up shop, the public will know who to blame. What this advertising boycott is uh, is, is going to do? It's, it's going to kill the company. And you think that the uh, I, but, and the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But they're gonna say that, they're gonna say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things, and that they were inappropriate things, and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? That's, that's and, what and they're let, gonna say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. Earth to Elon, only time will tell. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished. Everyone deserves to live a full life. And with your help, together we can end hunger. Join the movement at feedingamerica.org slash act now. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Right. Now, I'm delighted um, to be welcoming back um, Darren Nesbitt from The Light newspaper. How are you doing, Darren? Hi, James. Good morning. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, no, welcome back. Obviously, you've been on the show before. Um, we're going to talk about um, a festival that you're organising with the Stand in the Park just in a moment. But before we do that, I think it's really important to remind people um, who maybe don't know about the Light newspaper. So if you could tell us a little bit about that, and also, really importantly, tell us how people can actually become distributors for their area and actually deliver this free new newspaper, um, very much a truth paper, to people in their local area. Absolutely. Um, well, there's a couple of options, but let's first say, obviously, what the light is. Uh, like you say, it's a truth paper. We've been 
um, you know, the, the the news and stories and information that we share in our little online ghettos. Um, you know, we decided to put out in a, in a print form. We can get it out to the public that can't be censored as long as obviously people want to get the get the information out there. It's been a roaring success for the last three and a half years. And um, we've just done a compilation annual uh, book. Um, which is uh, fingers crossed being delivered today, so it should be sent to our, out to everybody who ordered one um, this week. And if you want to get involved, you can sign up. Go to the website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and you can order bulk order. Uh, it's twenty five papers for, for for a tenner. And um, people order, you know, groups, local groups get together and order thousands. Um, you know, it, it's entirely up to how you want to do it. And um, we also have a, a another thing called Wake Up Your Neighbours. So if you don't really, if you haven't got the time. Um, to go and deliver, you know, papers or hand them out or what have you. Um, we've actually got a, a, a lot of the people in different areas who will, who will, you know, have signed up to do that. So you make the order, they'll go and deliver it, and they'll actually get paid a little bit of money to do that. And if you want to sign up to deliver them as well, so you can make money from from delivering the truth, um, just email the light recruit, um, tell them what postcodes you can cover, uh, and that's it. You know, we, we put it on the website, somebody orders in that area, we send you the papers, you go out and deliver them, and, and then get paid. Um, all of these things, you know, I, I just thought we were going to sell a few papers, uh, do, do a few papers, collect a few donations and, and hand them out. Um, but all of these things have come from the ideas of activists of, of uh, Freedom and Truth Tribe who want to, um, you know, who want to get the truth out to people, who want to use the light as a tool, as it should. So, you know, it's, it's, it's great that we created it and it's great that people are making use of it as well. And they are making use of it as well. I've got a few people um, in my area here who go out and deliver. You know, it's not a big thing. They they get 100 papers or whatever, and they just go out to a few streets around their area and um, post them every month. Um, I've also yeah. seen a few cheeky copies in my local Nissa store as well. <laughs> and, of course, Sainsbury's. Yeah. There was a, I think it was a BBC story, wasn't there, about how Sainsbury's didn't realise that the free newspapers were being put in their stores. So so maybe you could try and get your local news agent to... to to store some of the news, um, some of the papers. Um, Darren, what's the headline this month? Because I know you're just about to go out, aren't you? Yeah, um, we're actually we're waiting for the designer in Mexico to wake up. <laughs> the printer's waiting. So this is a great time to be doing an interview. I'm not. Here's an editor on 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 deadline day, not actually panicking or anything. My my work is pretty much done. It's actually um, it's actually a soft one, if you like. But there's a theme that runs through the whole uh, paper. There, there normally is with issues, and it's not generally by design. Um, but it's it's the headlines all come together, and it's talking about how you know obviously the divide and rule tactics of conquerors. Um, some obviously you know the, we're divided on issues on, on all kinds of issues, and how we should obviously be uniting on on, on a couple of main issues, and then and we, we can obviously work out the rest. But also that. These these things wouldn't be issues if the, if we weren't manipulated into being divided and ruled in the first place. So um, there's a lot there's a lot of great stuff uh, solutions wise. Um, obviously, you know the the, the usual uh, revelations about you know the the the, um, the medical intervention things that you can't mention, otherwise you 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 disappear off the face of the online world. Um, and obviously the climate change uh, agenda. Um, you know, agenda twenty one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, the uh, census spread um, is um, is really interesting. It's um, a bunch of uh, laws that have been passed that people just don't realise. You know, they, they don't publicise the laws in the in the in the news anymore. So, um, nice census spread reminder of, of some, obviously not all, 
um, but some of the uh, legislation that they've passed that removes our freedom. There's no, there is no value to this, to, to any of this legislation whatsoever. Under the guise of safety, under the guise of having to protect us and protecting the children, it's all about removing freedoms. And our goal is is always to wake people up to that. It's just to you know, let's say, have a different look. Here's a different perspective. Here's people who don't believe the government narrative, and they call us ridiculous names that we're not. So you know, I I, I end. In fact, I'll read to the very end of it. It's time. It's time for. Uh, it's time to start focusing on what we all have in common. We struggle to make sense of the world. Find out who we really are and our place in it, and how we can make life better for other people, no matter what race, sex age, religion, or political preference. We are all family. Now, the BBC will call us right-wing, hateful, anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists for things like that. You make your own yeah. mind. <laughs> Those journalists at the BBC, eh? Um, well, listen, Darren, I've got a lot of time for you and what you're doing. Um, obviously, the light newspaper, you know, goes out to several hundred thousand people every month. So I think it's fantastic what you're doing. Now, um, Darren, you're not stopping there just with the newspaper, are you? Because now you're organising a festival um, with Sophia Rose from a stand in the park. So tell us all about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, pe people actually knew me from before the light paper for... Um, we are the 99% stick your new world order up your ass. Uh, very famous worldwide protest anthem. Um, in uh, 20, a couple of years ago, um, a drummer came up to me while I was singing that at a party and said, do you want to form a band? Uh, and so we did. Uh, and the Daz band was born. Uh, we've been gigging and touring. And we're, out, we're actually playing four festivals next year. So we're looking forward to lots of truth and freedom uh, gatherings um, but yes myself and Sophia from a stand in the park and several other great people Sai from uh, Leicester and uh, Nick and uh, John uh, up in the late district lots of lot, big big team actually and we are organizing what we wanted to do was organize a music festival for the truth movement so there are there are some festivals um, but they're not necessarily dedicated to music um and you know that that's what we wanted to do so um we've got danny rampling mobius loop the daz band uh out of karma v dead time philharmonic um it's all on the it's all on the website we've got 25 artists they're all they're all absolutely excellent um standinthelight.uk um and everybody's welcome it's a private members party um, so you just need to become a member of Stand in the Light. And right now, those memberships are 20 quid plus booking fee. Now, people are saying, OK, and how much is for the camping? And how much is it to actually get in? That's it. Get a membership. The entry, because it's, it's, it's a free party for all our members. You can come along next May 24, 27, with your, as long as you've got a membership. And uh, under fives don't need a membership, but everybody else does. We're catering for children as well. We've got the fabulous Hope Sussex. Um, who obviously support home education with children's activities down on the Sussex coast. Um, they're coming up uh, with, with some marquees to, to do activities. And we're going to have the bouncy castles as well. But the main thing is two stages um, and you know proper stages with proper sound and, and, and all the rest of it. So it, it, will be a, it will be a proper festival. And we want, you know, basically the whole truth movement in, in, in the UK and, and, uh, and beyond to come along. Um, if you can on January the first, we're going to raise those prices. We might we might raise them a tenner a tenner every month towards the festival because we know most people buy buy their tickets like a month or a week before. So hopefully, we can encourage to encourage people to um, you know th then we can get more organised way 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 before as well. We we'll get we're getting we're getting everything organised. It's absolutely brilliant. We're getting people involved. If you want to get involved, one more <laughs> volunteer. 
Uh, if you want to help out with the crew, I know it's cheap anyway, but we'll, we'll obviously give you free entry and we'll give you, you know, obviously free, a couple of free meal vouchers for, for the shifts that you work. Um, uh, uh, email us, standlight at proton.me. Uh, if you want to have a stall there, there's going to be a huge, long boulevard, so it's Bill Cooper Boulevard, we're going to call it, and it's going to turn into Von Mises Way. Um, and we're going to have like loads of different stalls and stands. It's going to be a whole, that's going to be a whole experience in itself. Um, if you want to obviously exhibit, it's, it's really cheap. Um, again, you know, uh, email us. Um, but if you're an artist, we're full. Unfortunately, DJs and artists, we're absolutely full. Um, we can't really fit any more in. However, I'll say one last thing. We're having a, uh, an all-night acoustic fire pit. So, off it, you know, just into the woods there. Um, you'll be able to, you know, if you play guitar, what have you, you know what I mean? You can come, come and jam uh, all night. Everybody's welcome to obviously do that. Fantastic, Darren. And obviously, you know, you, I think at that price, £20, this isn't about money. This is about community. It's very much um, community-based and um, yeah. bringing the freedom movement together. Um, whereabouts in the country is it, um, Darren? Whereabouts are uh, you holding yeah. it? It's going to be in the beautiful Lake District. Um, which I, it's actually the, the West Lakes, um, but the point is that you have to drive through the Lake to get to it, and obviously you can see uh, you know, all the nice hills from where we are and the coast as well. It's a beautiful piece of land. The landowner's awake, uh, fully awake, so you know he, he knows the score. It's, it's a big partnership between us. And exactly as you said, and, and, and as Danny said, it's, it's going to be a great gathering of the, of the truth and freedom tribe and it is about bringing people together i mean we wanted to do it for free but you know assuming you can't you can't you can't run a festival for free there's, there's a lot to pay for um um but you know it, it is about the vibe it, you know it, it's going to be more the old, old woodstock glastonbury type um you know that 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 type of that type of feel but obviously you know without all the illuminati <laughs> stuff that you didn't notice when you used to go <laughs> fantastic and um, um hopefully no police there either like you get at glastonbury um what kind of numbers are we talking about um daz if even you know if it's really really popular how many people can you actually get on site there um it, it's hard to say because he's got a lot of acreage so we could always open up more and more and more and more fields for camping but obviously you know in terms of the actual facilities and you know the toilets and the showers and the water and you know everything else that we're going to provide as well as all the food stalls and, and all the rest of it um, we're, we're looking probably tops 3,000. Um, we're already we're already like over 10% of the way there, which isn't surprising, obviously, at the price of the price of the, uh, the memberships. So it's 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 already very popular. I mean, you know, we're not connected into every single area yet. We've not done that much promotion. We're just getting going. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd hurry. If I mean, I'll just yeah, I was just going to say it sounds um, like, um, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you do want a ticket, it sounds like you need to get there very, very quickly. Just remind us, um, Darren, before we move on, um, what's the website people can go to to sign up? It's standinthelight.uk. Fantastic. I will be going there straight after the show, Darren. Right now, Darren, um, the Light newspaper, what plans have you got for um, going forward? Because the last time we spoke, you were on the show, you were talking, I think there's a Light newspaper now, in Ireland, and there were other things that you were trying to push. Tell us what's going on um, over the next year in 2024 with the Light newspaper. Uh, well, being honest with you, there are absolutely no plans other than to do exactly what we've been doing for the last year. Uh, obviously, just want to make it clear as well, the Irish Light is a different paper. The uh, Light Australia is a different paper. They're sister publications, if you like, but we don't have any control over anything they do. Obviously, we you know that they share all, all our stuff and, and what have you, but... Um, 
yeah, o- o- other than, you know, produce, continue to produce uh, a great record every month and the, um, um, and, and obviously give people the ability to get the real news out of people so they've got the information they can make informed choices. That's what we need. Thanks. Man. Fantastic. And there you go. That's what Darren is all about, is, is sharing the information that we all need to know. Darren Nesbitt, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, Darren, for joining us today. That's Good great. luck with the festival. I'm definitely going to be there. Um, so I'm going to get my ticket straight after today's show. And I suggest everyone else does the same. And don't go anywhere because we've got more great shows coming up for you right here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio.